It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. Let's let's talk about what's happened in the last week. So we were kind of, uh, I don't know if positive is the right word. I don't, I don't know if we were feeling optimistic going into the last Dubcast, but there, there seemed to be some kind of forward momentum in terms of the narrative and conversation, right? You had players who were actively engaged in social media and getting people to sign a petition. You had parents who were sending letters. You had people planning protests. This seemed like maybe not a sure sign that something would actually happen, but at least a sign that there was a conversation that was happening. So that didn't necessarily guarantee a positive outcome in the end, but at least it meant that you know this was going to be something that would be continued to discuss. I feel like the last week has thoroughly slammed on the brakes of every single element of that. So yes, Justin Fields got a great amount of signatures and his involvement and the rest of the players' involvement is fantastic to see. And I love to see players kind of take ownership of that and, and be listened to in an authoritative way. However, didn't seem to amount to much. Uh, the parents wrote these letters from many of these Big Ten schools, not just Ohio State, I mean, Michigan, you know, uh, Iowa, Nebraska, I think Indiana even. Like you have all these different, you know, schools are saying, yeah, we want to play, we want to do it. Let's talk to Kevin Warren. Uh, and then you had uh, Randy Wage, Hon Wade's father, having a protest at the Big Ten headquarters in Chicago. Um, all of this seems to have amounted to nothing, <laughs> like basically nothing. And Kevin Warren came out and said, that's great. I'll love to talk to you. Um, we're still not having fall sports, period. And that's the end of the discussion. And that feels like it's actually the end of the discussion. Um so that's that's where we're at. We're kind of in this, I don't know what happens next. I guess we sit back and watch as the SEC and potentially other conferences attempt to play football. I don't know. So it's 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 a weird, it's, it's such a weird anticlimax. It felt like it was building to something and then like nothing. Yeah, we're officially in the darkest timeline. You, you, you are, I hope, preparing yourself for a reality where the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 are on the sidelines watching three conferences play four berths in the college football playoffs. Because I'm now at a point, I, I've been kind of on this roller coaster, probably like a lot of fans, where you think, and, and my percentage hope that the season for the Big Ten would still happen. I mean, we're talking like single, maybe maybe less than 20, single digit, surely less than 20, 25% yeah. hope that, oh, maybe something could happen. Um, I'm, I'm firmly in the 0% camp and, and here's why, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Kevin Warren has shown no, uh, interest whatsoever in anything remotely like contrition for <laughs> making this decision. And I thought yeah. there was a good point made on social media. Um, I gotta remember which reporter put it out there, but there was a piece, um, talking about the, the fact that, you know, the presidents and chancellors of the Big Ten Conference really are the power brokers. And while Warren has been the, the face man for this unmitigated disaster of a rollout, it's really the president and the chancellors who, who ultimately are the ones who were not on the same page with their ADs, apparently, at least in some cases. Ohio State's uh, AD says he was firmly on page uh, with the new incoming president. But clearly that's not the case at, at some other schools um, yeah. because it sounded like there was pretty strong consensus among the, uh, maybe not unanimous consent, but strong consensus among the presidents and chancellors to pull the plug on the season. Clearly that wasn't the case with the athletic directors, uh, although you had some like Barry Alvarez who who played the company man and and put a good face on it. But, mm -hmm. but here's part of the reason why this isn't going to happen. So story out Monday, Ohio State University continuing to crack down on off-campus parties. And apparently the university issued 228 interim suspensions last <laughs> week between Wednesday and Saturday. Let me so run that back stupid. again. 228 interim suspensions. By the way, can I go on a little rant who, here about that? Please that, do so. This is not this is not a sports related thing. This just pisses me off in general. You saw that actually. There was <laughs> there's an article out in uh, Michigan, the UMich, uh, I think was what it was. And um, they're talking about how they're essentially going to deputize hall monitors, right? To, to patrol the campus and make sure that kids are following this up. Hey, if you don't want students to congregate, don't bring them on campus. Don't tell them that they can have this college experience 
right? That they can, ex- you know, go out and go to classes and all this stuff. If you don't want them to do that, they're they're college kids. They're going to hang out. They're going to go to bars. They're going to interact with each other. You have to accept that as a norm, right? You cannot say that that's something that's like, well, they'll give that up if, if they're convinced otherwise. No, they're not. They're absolutely not. So to punish students for doing student things after you brought them in an environment that facilitates those student things to me is the height of hypocrisy. And it drives me crazy that students would get suspended for something like this. You're going to go online in like three weeks anyway. It, it, it is baffling to me that they would treat kids like this. And it, again, should these students be socially distancing? Yes. Should they be having parties and going out to bars and not wearing masks? No. Are they going to anyway? Should you have anticipated that? Of course. And to blame that behavior entirely on the students to me is just baffling, particularly when you're talking about schools the size of Ohio State or Michigan or Wisconsin, you know, with 40, 50,000 students on campus. It is just, it's so stupid. Um, this is where and, the economic incentives. part of the universities. It, it is. And so this is where the economic incentives are really perverse, right? So the best thing for public health would be for the students to have stayed home and be fully distanced, yes. right? Right. Don't come yeah. back to campus. Or if you do come back to campus, stay in your dorm or apartment and and don't go do normal college. Well, even that stuff. though, man. I mean, think about the towers. You've got these I, pods with yeah. eight to ten people in these pods. What how are they socially distancing? You can't you physically cannot do that. In I, that hear you. I hear it's you. It's not possible. And and so the economic per- incentives are super perverse because they the universities need that not only the tuition money but the room and board money uh, right. to keep these you know ginormous city states that that the modern university you know may as well call it what it is it's a giant city state of its of, of its own um, of its own type and they need that revenue so you've had this push to get students back on campus. We're not going to do distance. We're going to get you back on. It'll be some sort of hybrid. You know, here's all the wonderful things we're doing to keep you safe. And yet, uh, it's not going to work. You've got Ohio State now kind of taking this this extra judicial, we're going to suspend you if you're partying on your free time off campus. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it, you know, number one, we're not high school kids anymore. Uh, right. n- number number two, adult. it's it's off campus. Yeah, you, you are literally an adult and you're off campus. That really bugs me. And I know they sign a code of conduct and, and all of these other things. Uh, but, but you've got the need to bring people back to campus to spend their money. It is, as you put, the height of hypocrisy. So much so, and I got to give Holly Zachariah at the Columbus Dispatch credit for this meme, although I've seen it in, in several different formats. Uh, Welcome to Ohio, where college students go to school but don't play sports, and high school students play sports but don't go to school. Like, that's the reality <laughs> right. we're living in, right? You have yeah. high schools that are full distance, uh, as, as our district where we live, our district is full distance, at least for the first four weeks of the year. But Ohio high school sports are going on. Uh, and here you've got college students are going to school at Ohio State, but not able to play sports. Like, what are we even doing here? So, yeah. And, and the thing is, is that a lot of, I feel like what's happening with this narrative in general is that people are following breathlessly the test results and stuff from the NFL or from Major League Baseball and going, okay, this is evidence of something. No, it's evidence of nothing. It's evidence of exactly that particular situation. But to extrapolate it to what people should be doing in high school in Ohio or college in Nebraska, these are all unique situations. That's that's the point of all of this yeah. is that you can't just say, okay, we have a blanket solution here that can allow us to do some of the stuff we like and not have to give up anything. Like, if you want to take care of this thing, there really is only one way to figure it out. And I, you know, my mom uh, and and dad have been in uh, education in Southwestern Ohio for a really, really long time. My mom's still a school nurse. And, um, <laughs> you know, she's talking about, first of all, that freaks me out on the face of it. But, you know, she's talking about how, like, they've had to shut down numerous sports teams because within a week of coming back, you know, they, they've seen multiple positive tests and things like that, which is incredibly predictable, but it also doesn't necessarily mean, like, I'm not going to use that, even though I understand why that would happen. I'm not going to use that as evidence for everything else that I would then say and apply to like Ohio state can't play football because this happened. I don't know. On the other hand, 
people are talking about, well, look at all these, you know, false positives with the NFL. And then those aren't real. So we got to have college sports back. I don't know. I don't think the dynamics are the same. I don't think you compare those two things. Um, what I do know is that social distancing and wearing masks and not being in contact with a bunch of people works, right? Yeah. I know that you can. We've seen that you can control this to an extent if you do certain things within like a bubble type situation. If you have control yeah. over the amount of people who are doing it. Those neither of those two things are happening in college campuses right now, right? So all other evidence that we might see, all other statistics, data, this is a completely different situation. This is something totally new. And I think you just kind of have to react to it based on like, okay, what's the best way to handle this as opposed to just kind of winging it, which is really what we've seen. And, um, and the way this would have worked, ironically, frustratingly, infuriatingly, however you want to look at it, the way this would have worked would have been if we'd have done it the opposite of the way we're actually doing it. Instead of students coming back to campus yeah. and football not happening, it needed to be the other way around that football right. is happening in a bubble and students are not coming back right. to campus. But, they, like, but again, as we said, oh, for weeks yeah. now, we've been saying the reason we're not doing that is because we would have to then admit that college football exactly. players are not normal student athletes. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and by the way, that's no guarantee because as you correctly noted, like even if we, even if we, tried to create some sort of bubble for college football teams like the, the logistics of making that happen are pretty daunting nc state for example north carolina state university according to uh, espn senior writer andrea adelson late monday night nc states paused all athletics related activities because they identified 27 positive cases within the athletic department Fantastic. okay now now not all cases involve student athletes according to right. the report and NC State didn't say whether it was football or whichever fall sports um, are are involved, but they've got a cluster of 27 cases in their athletic department. Now, you know, those of us um, who are maybe spoiling to see the ACC and, and ultimately Big 12 and SEC shut down fall sports as well might look at this and say, well, see, well, see. Right. Of course, we talked last episode um, University of North Carolina sent students back to the distance realm after about a week on campus, as did right. Notre Dame. Um, so you could look and say, well, there's three programs within the ACC. I'm counting Notre Dame with the ACC for purposes of this discussion because of how they're going to do their fall football schedule this season. Um, you know, there's three programs where the, the schools involved, at least, and at least one athletic department, are seeing significant outbreaks. So I my my belief that those conferences will play is still pretty high. I think you and I probably both agree the SEC will play mm -hmm. just for the sake of being a spiteful ass bastard. Um, <laughs> but, you know, maybe the ACC will pull the plug. And I, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. But that's um, what I'm but, saying. It's all situational. We, we have no idea. I They, you know, there are a lot of schools. There are a lot of places who may look at that and say, not me. That ain't me. <laughs> like, yeah. It's not yeah. going to happen here. And maybe it won't, you know, because it's it's so like one piece, like the, the plural of anecdote is not data, right? So Correct. we don't know if one thing in one school means jack or squat for everyone else in the United States. So that's why, again, when you have a pandemic, you can't just say, well, look at this. Well, look at this. No, you have to have kind of a, an idea how to approach it. And oftentimes that that involves you know, taking away some things, right. To mm -hmm. try to verify stuff. Here's, here's the thing I would say about that. Uh, last thing I would say about that. There uh, was a report talking about in the New York times, it was talking about um, how researchers at Ohio state are trying to identify um, the issues with heart issues that have come up as a result of, um, you know, contracting COVID-19 and, and what it does to players and whatnot. Ohio state has really done a poor job at explaining and talking about what's going on with testing, who's infected, all that stuff. And they've kind of hidden behind like FERPA and all this other stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is that they are really doing, I think the conversation a disservice by not talking about it because that allows this to kind of run rampant. That allows people to go, well, there's no possible reason um, to even like, you know, think about canceling college sports. Ohio state's doing great. I don't know how Ohio state's doing. Um, but what I do know is that if they're going to take it seriously, they really have two options. You, you either just don't do it or you try to do some kind of bubble thing. They, there really, to me, isn't a whole lot of argument here uh, because all this other stuff is just distracting. Like, 
you know, I was thinking about Clay Travis and all these other guys who are putting stuff out on social media and talking about like the political element and, you know, it's the governors of these states that are trying to like, no, it's not. It's because this is a piecemeal, crappily organized, poorly thought out uh, approach to something that's really, really serious that was apparently only thought about and decided upon maybe like what? a week before they decided to shut everything down (laughs) or days or hours. So it's not, people are are trying to, I think, ascribe this political, you know, planning or thought or or grand master plan or something behind getting rid of something they like. And it's really just incompetence. That's really what it is. is. That's all it is. It's really just incompetence, Um, which in itself should be, you know, infuriating, but. And, And I'm, I'm sure this has become a drinking game for the listeners at this point. So if you, if you had um, everything rises and falls on leadership on your bingo card, go ahead and take a drink. Right. Uh, Cause that's what we're talking about. Again, it's, and, and I'll put some of this back on the, the presidents and chancellors. Like I think they, you know, the, the lawyers, uh, you know, shove the story about the, the um, heart lingering heart disease issues. And, and in fairness, these are pretty big unknowns, right? So mm. they, they start shoving that under their noses. If you're a president chancellor, you're the CEO of the organization, you're worried about your legal liability and exposure. Um, you know, if God forbid something happens to a player in your marquee program, what, what is the exposure that you have years down the line? Like they're all looking at the CTE, CTE cases, uh, with the NFL and saying, even if we have the players sign waivers, you know, some, some plaintiff's attorney is, and I think Tom Mars was even on record last week is saying, he knows plaintiff's attorneys who are licking their chops, hoping sure. that the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 go through with a football season because they can get, you know, in there because invariably there's a class action waiting to happen with unintended consequences of right. long-term, you know, COVID damage. But so so you've got these presidents, chancellors, they don't know what to do. They pull the plug. And then you've got Warren, who is a, you know, first-year commissioner, who has no clue whatsoever I, I come back to coalition building, like step number one, you've got to make sure that your presidents and chancellors really are on the same page. And then before you roll this out, you need to make sure that your athletic directors and head football coaches are on the same page because those are the most visible people of the university uh, for the average sports fan. You know, they all know who the head football coach is and most of them know who the AD is. I would, I would venture to guess half to three quarters of Ohio State's football fans do not know the name of the university president. Now, oh, no, you'd yeah. say in fairness, that's because she's she's brand new. Yeah, um, she, I'm not even yeah. sure she's officially on the job yet. Yeah, I think it's but but and Michael Drake that yes, I, I, September sticks in my mind. Michael Drake, uh, half the football fans hated because he fired the band director, right, wrong, or, or otherwise. <laughs> they never got over that, oh, uh, and because he wasn't Gordon Gee, which is you know that's a pretty tough hurdle to clear. I'll, I'll grant. So this comes back to Warren should have made sure that all of those people were on the same page. And that you had answers to some of these very difficult questions like, well, what's the spring season look like before you roll out this decision that now has Ohio State, as an example, bracing to absorb $130 million deficit this budget year. Right. And, and like what's got it, that, that, that's leadership, right? Yeah. And and that's I mean, it's not just leaders. I think it's, it's planning as well, which is really the <laughs> when when history is written about this entire you know year, I guess, and, and maybe even longer than that. I, I think it's really going to come down to the fact that the United States of America in general, but you know, a lot of these institutions specifically simply did not have a plan. They, and, and when it happened and they were given time to plan, they refused to because they hoped that they could just kind of wait things out, which hope is not a strategy. It's not a strategy, but I think, let me put it this way. I think that, the way we had done things in college sports specifically, but in also other areas of life, we had become so accustomed to things just kind of working out, right? That if we stick to the plan, we do what's supposed to be done, it'll happen, right? It'll just magically happen. We want football to happen. We want there to be a college football season. So if we just wish hard enough, if we, if we just keep gunning and doing what we're supposed to do, it'll just happen. And that that's not the case. When you have a huge crisis like this, you have to, actually actively make sure that things occur. You can't just rest on your laurels and say, well, okay, we had football for the last, you know, several generations every fall. We're going to have it again. No, you, when you have a crisis situation, you have to make sure that it 
ends up working and ends up happening. It doesn't just happen because you wish it to happen or because it had happened in the past. And that lack of preparation, that lack of foresight and lack of planning and work really is, is what's kind of done us in here. Now, the question I want to ask you, Andy, is we're seem to be going full steam ahead. Possibly. I don't know. I mean, obviously the situation can change at any point in time, but I think mentally people are starting to set their sights on this idea of a winter spring football season, at least for the big 10. How likely do you think it is that that actually happens? Well, I think something could happen. Now, Brandon, probably... I'm, I'm asking you to extrapolate far in the future. We don't know what's going to yeah. happen with COVID, but, but let's say all things remaining relatively the same. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm probably, I'm probably a 50, 50 on that right yeah. now. You know, like I, I could see it happening. I think if it happens, uh, it will. You're going to see your draft eligible starters sit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do not, I do not in my heart of hearts believe you see Justin Fields suit up as an example. Um, so I, I think it's going to be. Was it was it Nick Saban that said you know we're going to have a JV season? Is that it feels yeah. like that was something that Saban or somebody like him said. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be different. I mean, I think if what what I would have liked to have seen happen is if the NCAA back to my leadership rant, if the NCAA exerted even a modicum of of, of leadership over college football, which it has more or less ceded uh, to the playoff committee and, and the FBS um, commissioners, if if the NCAA had you know in essence a commissioner for college football at the FBS Power Five level that said we're all going to do this together. Then, then I believe you could have seen, let's say, an eight-week schedule that kicks off in January, or a twelve-week schedule. You know, mm-hmm. do a ten, ten, ten-game season with two bye weeks in there, or something like that. I, I, you know, I could have seen that happening January through February or early March, whatnot. And you basically make football a winter sport for a year, and and I believe that could have worked. And then you would have seen, I think, some of the starters play because they would have been playing for the same thing. You'd still be playing for a national title. You'd still be playing for a Heisman trophy. Uh, but, but now, you know, I'm just kind of like, what's the point? You know, that's, I, so the point that, is that's my challenge. <laughs> the the point, the point is, is cash. It's, it's that, that yeah, but, how, but, how much you, but how much, I mean, t- I guess TV revenue More than zero, you know, but here's, yeah. here's one thing that that's why I think it's going to happen is because they're going to get to the point where they say, all right, well now we've created a situation. It's not so much that we, are taking away something from someone. Now we're promising them something and then possibly taking that away. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, we just kind of assume college football will happen and, you know, we can apologize and say, Oh, this is terrible. We can't play. But once you say like, okay, we're aiming for a winter season or a spring season. And then that doesn't happen. I think you're going to actually get way more pushback in that event than right now, because right now the situation I think calls for doing that, but you know, it's not, it's not something where they were like, throughout the summer saying, you know what, COVID be damned. We're going to figure this thing out. They, they didn't say anything. Nobody was communicating. Right. It was just something that was assumed. Now, if you have a situation where you're telling people, oh yeah, we're going to be back, baby. It's, it's going to be football. It's going to be weird, but it's going to be football. If you take that away from people, they're going to be pissed. And I, I really think the money element and whether it's garbage football or not, it will, it will be football. And I would not be, I, I think it's a pretty high chance that that's something like that's going to happen. Maybe not a certainty. I don't, you know, I wouldn't give it like 80, 90% odds. Uh, but I think better than 50%, in my opinion, that that some form of that will happen. Unless, of course, you see numbers go way worse and, you know, that changes it. But if all things kind of stay the same, I, I would not be shocked if you saw, you know, some football being played uh, in, in January, February, March, um, you know, in the Big Ten. So I think the challenge, I, I agree with you about the, you know, again, we're back to financial incentives and my, my wannabe economist uh, personality comes out when we, when we get to talking about incentives. So I, yeah, you're, you're right. And, and I still think the thing that I'm going to struggle with and, and maybe a lot of others will too, is just be, what's the, I guess you're playing for a big 10, I guess you're playing for a big 10 title. Okay. Oh no, you're playing for a national championship. Let's be real. And by the way, I'm going to push for this, Andy, and I'm going to use the, uh, 11 dubcast is a bully pulpit if ohio state wins whatever kind of football happens in the fall and winter we're claiming that national championship i don't give a damn like that's the 2021 national championship if alabama can claim the piggly wiggly national championship from 1932 ohio state buckeyes can damn well claim 
whatever football kind of championship is played in the winter of 2021. That is happening. I don't give a crap. Sign me up. Hang the banner. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. If you, if you got a banner, you hang that up. I don't care who gave it so, to you. So, you know, this is a, this is kind of a funny conundrum. Uh, the, you know, the Associated Press released their their first uh, poll. Yeah, first season poll. You know, so the Buckeyes come in number two behind hey, uh, Clemson and got 21 first place votes even, by Let's the go. way, which ain't, ain't half bad. You know, uh, Alabama only got two first place votes. And somebody, I don't know, it's probably John Wilner or something, voted for LSU as the as as a first place vote. So, Can I ask you, wait, how about this? What if? Okay, so they've got this AP poll. We're so stupid. Like, shut up, AP. No one cares about you. But anyway, they're doing the AP poll. All right, Ohio State's number two. Clemson loses their first game. All right, somehow I don't know. Whatever. Clemson loses their first game. And then maybe the third place team. I don't know who's ranked third. Is Alabama? Alabama. Yep. Alabama. Yep. That's what. Okay. So Alabama and Clemson hypothetically lose, and then they shut down all football after that. Is Ohio State oh, the 2020 national champion, as voted that. on by the voters of the AP Associated Press National College Football Poll? I thought your That's friend and mine. Uh, I thought your friend and mine, Jason Priestess, said us said it well. You know, it's going to be. It's going to be great seeing, uh, you know, Ohio State uh, undefeated, that's undefeated right. this season. You know, these other teams is that are going to keep dropping. I mean, that's how it works. Unbound, right? unbent, unbroken. <laughs> that's how it works. It's going to be hard Ohio for the playoff State committee Buckeyes. to leave out the undefeated Buckeyes. Yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy talking about today. You I, gotta, you know, so, but this whole season, I mean, it's kind of like back to talking about juicers in the in, in the baseball Hall of Fame, right? Like, <laughs> there's an there's an asterisk beside this season before it ever starts. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it, because you've got two power five conferences not playing. All right. Even if you totally discount the PAC 12, it is now a matter of record that Ohio state is a national championship contending team going into the mm-hmm. season. It, right. You know, it discount this, this AP preseason poll, if you will. But like the consensus is that the Buckeyes are legit and have a legit shot at not just winning the big 10, but, not just being a playoff team, but of being a national championship team. I think that's part of the reason Buckeye fans are smarting so much about this. You know, oh, if course. you're if you're a Rutgers fan, eh, we ain't having football this year. <laughs> okay, all right. But and this isn't just any old Ohio State team, right? Like there is a feeling that you have a Heisman Trophy contender at quarterback, and and that this team is um, playing for something that really matters. So. You, you you set that aside, okay? Ohio State's not playing. But then let's get into this thing. Let's pretend the SEC goes forward with football just out of spite and because, you know, it really does matter more or whatever, whatever, whatever. And, and you get, uh, you know, to the playoff and Trevor Lawrence comes down with COVID and can't play. Or or even before that, you know, you, you, you've got uh, Alabama getting ready to play, you know, some random SEC West opponent and you know the wide receiver room is suddenly a a corona hotspot. I mean, these yeah. are things that can happen, right? Yeah, and so, likely will happen, frankly. And likely will. so Bama loses a game because they're missing, you know, half their starting lineup or something right. like that. You know, or they that's forfeit. So, I mean or yeah, or yeah, or they're not able to play the I know that's why we've put these bye weeks in the season in theory, so that you could go back and reschedule these, but but they're not all going to get rescheduled. You know, like something's right. going something weird is going to happen. And then how's a playoff committee going to evaluate that? Well, you know, is that going to be like when you look at injuries and mm-hmm. you look and say, well, yeah, they lost a game, but, and of course, cynical bastard me says the SEC gets all the benefit of the doubt type calls anyway. You know, I just, I think it's, it's going to be really wonky. This thing's got a big asterisk beside it before it even starts. And and I'm not even saying that because Ohio State's not going to be playing for it. I mean, there's a lot of other reasons to go into it thinking, what do you really know about now 50 years from now are people going to look back and be like well sure alabama won the national championship but who did they beat like no they're just going to look and say hey there's a banner hanging there well the good news the good news andy is that 50 years from now football will not exist and all sports will be replaced by like water polo and you know highlight so Hey, highlight. You know, that's uh, that's one it's I haven't a, thought about. It's, for a, a, it's while. a it's a beautiful sport. It really is. It really I wonder is. why that never took off. You know, I mean, we had the high wire. Too hard to play. Uh, it's way lounge. too hard to play. You ever watch a? You ever watch that thing actually be like performed by people who know what they're doing? Forget. You no, know, and and you know when you talk about water polo, uh, I will forever think of 
the Jeff Foxworthy bit when the Olympics were going to be in Atlanta and Jeff Foxworthy, of course, the great blue collar redneck comedian, Mm -hmm. here's your sign and all this. Uh, I mean, uh, here's your sign. That was Bill Engvall. I mean, you might be a redneck. redneck. Uh, But he's doing this bit, you know, and it's about how the Olympics are, are in Georgia. And, you know, of course that lends itself to his shtick uh, and all these, you might be a redneck things. And he, and he talks about, uh, you know, they were setting up for water polo and, until the the first horse drowned and, and uh, it's like, <laughs> I, I can't not think about water polo without thinking about the water the polo ponies. by the way weird aside i got a i don't want i don't want to call it a recruitment letter because i don't think that's what it was but i got a letter of interest i guess from um a school i can i can never remember the school it's some it was some school in southeast ohio and not not ou um that asked me to come check out their water polo program and want to know if I wanted to like try to walk on or something. Did you, did you play? No, but I swam for a really oh, okay. long right. time. Right, right, and right. Okay. and I was a swimmer. Yeah. I was not a fast swimmer, but I was a very strong. Swimmer. Like I could tread water for literally indefinitely. Like it, it was, I, I, I'm a big guy, like, you know, not huge, but like six, two and I have yep. long arms and whatnot. And so I don't know, maybe somebody talked to somebody else. And I just got a letter at school. It wasn't anything big. But I want to tell you something. There is no sport in the world I would want to play less than water polo. It is. It is. It is the most brutal, stupid sport. It's organized drowning, and it is awful. It is <laughs> awful. Laugh, that's funny. The I've people never who heard do that are built that like linebackers. They yeah. punch each other, and like they're hitting each other in the nads. They're punching each other in the gut. They're kicking each other. They're. It is awful. It is a terrible, horrible sport. Um, I don't recommend anybody actually play it. However, I love watching it. It's incredibly fun and exciting. Uh, and it's short, like it's quick. The games go really fast, but yeah. to play it, hell no, miss me with that. I had no desire to even think about it for a second. Uh, I chucked that thing in the trash. I'm like, hell no, I'm out. I'm not doing that. Um, so there are more difficult sports to play, I guess, than, than football, but, um, I don't know, man. I, you know, to your point, I don't know what's going to look like. I don't know how people reflect on all of this. Uh, you know, I just, <laughs> I'm sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of it. I'm sick of the narrative. I'm sick of having to like follow people on Twitter who claim to have inside information. You know, like I know the real deal. I know what it's really going to happen. Like, no, you don't. Nobody knows anything right now. Shut up. Uh, you don't get anyone's hopes up because that's just going to lead to more angst. I just, you know, if we have to watch college football from afar, so be it. But I just want it to happen sooner than later because I just I want to have something else to talk about, frankly. Because yeah. um, it's just, you know, it's it's just so frustrating. Uh, so that's <laughs> that's that's our first part of the Dubcast. Uh, if you want to continue supporting <laughs> 11 Warriors and the Dubcast, don't forget to check out the Dry Goods store, drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, masks, all kinds of great stuff. You know, we've Good been time. pushing the masks, Johnny Lee, and rightfully so. But the other thing I've been thinking about every time I, I go to the Dry Goods store is, is the other thing that you need in the year that is 2020, uh, in addition to the masks, which are super cool. But you really should get some fantastic 11 Warriors barware as well. The mm, whiskey yeah. glasses and pint glasses are too cool for school. Oh, they I highly recommend it uh, because if there's one they thing I have right done more in, actually. yeah, see, there's one thing that I have done more in 2020 than, uh, than in 2019 is consume bourbon and uh, you need some 11 Warriors whiskey glasses. If you are really going to drink like the uh, astute, gentlemen and or lady that i know you are so yeah those are actually really nice i agree those are those are sick so definitely check those out uh, and if you're not into fine glassware just get some of the 11 warrior stadium cups and put your foamy pops in that whatever yeah. your choice of brew is put a good head on it in an 11 warrior stadium cup all again available at drygoods.11warriors.com yeah all right, so let's do some Ask Us Anything. Remember, you can ask us anything by sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. Uh, this is uh, from Gap, and I'm just that's just what it says, from Gap. So Gap wants to know, how do we go about organizing all Big Ten fans to cancel their Big Ten network subscriptions? Economic boycotts tend to have some teeth, even in the ivory towers of the Big Ten. Um, I'm going to tell you something, bro, like, I, I appreciate your moxie and enthusiasm. I really do. I'm not, and I'm not hating on that. And I think when people organize to get something accomplished, particularly like grassroots and it's authentic, I love that. I'm not hating on that at all. I will tell you that that will not work at all. 
I don't want to be a dick about it, but what I am trying to say is that the Big Ten Network is tied in usually to your cable subscriptions. Uh, you could, I guess, call Spectrum or whoever is your you know cable provider and say, I want this off my package or whatever. But that's that doesn't do anything to the Big Ten's bottom line, really. I mean, these, these contracts are kind of set in stone for a long time. It, it might make them worry a little bit, but here's the second element of this. Nobody watches the Big Ten anyway. And that's what something that, that's something people really need to understand. The Big Ten does get a butt ton of money from their media obligations, but I got to tell you something: it has nothing to do with whether people are watching the Big Ten Network on a day to day basis. It's entri- entirely driven by live sports and their connection with Sp- uh, Fox. Um, beyond that, I guess you could ask them to get rid of your Big Ten Network subscription. I don't know that it's really going to do anything, honestly. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the really important thing is I saw this pop up on social media. I think um, I think Randy Wade, we were talking about um, him leading the charge for the protests at, at the Big Ten offices last week. I think he's trying to get something going uh, for a protest at the stadium this week sometimes. But yeah, because the Big Ten is bundled and for the most part bundled, I, I think probably across the board with your basic package, uh, yeah. a- unless you totally cut the cord. Um, if you are at all a normal cable customer, you're you're going to get the Big Ten Network. It's just not an a la carte type thing, right? Um, you know, and it, now if you're if you are a BTN Plus subscriber, I know a lot of us like I I always subscribe to BTN Plus uh, to watch wrestling meets that aren't um, on the channel but are streamed through BTN Plus because there there are quite a few meets um, each year in wrestling, not just Ohio State but other others as well. You know, then certainly you could cancel your btn plus subscription um i saw somebody discuss you know the idea maybe you uh you know reach out to the advertisers on the big 10 network i, I don't think that's going to have a whole lot of effect yeah. either uh in the I, I appreciate the sentiment you know hit them in the pocketbook is always solid strategy when you want to um get change but here's the other thing too is you know these big 10 schools that make up the conference are are all suffering uh, as well, you know, as we mentioned earlier, Ohio State's going to uh, project $130 million decline in athletics revenue for 20, uh, 2020 through 21 due to the cancellation of fall sports. So that's a that's a heck of a hurt. Um, I think even even Purdue was looking at a $50 million shortfall, and it's certainly a much smaller department. So all of these schools in the conference are looking at leaving, losing between you know, 50 and, and $130 million this year. So they're, they're all already hurting um, as it yeah. is. So, yeah. And I just, yeah, I, I mean, again, I understand the sentiment and I don't think it's necessarily For a sure. bad one. I just don't know that it would necessarily accomplish anything. Yep. Um, so this next question here, this is from uh, Steven, he uh, wants to know, and by the way, he, he says that he's actually, he's a Michigan fan, uh, but he lives in Ohio. Um, but he says that uh, the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, just cleared Ohio to proceed with fall sports in high school. And he says, now, if I'm not an idiot, I know why State and Michigan are in the Big Ten, same conference. So my question is, why is it safe, according to my own governor, to play high school football, but not for college kids in our same region? That's a good question. Uh, those decisions aren't being made by the same people. And that's a big part of it. Um it's it, it really is a Big Ten thing, you know, versus a what does a local or governor want to do? And honestly, I would not hold your breath too hard on the, the high school sports thing, uh, depending on state. You, you may see that change in the next month. We don't know. Um, yeah, I, you know, the thing about this is, and, I, and I'm I, I'm not so sure whether or not I think it will or not. If it certainly if there's a big spike uh, in cases or if there are clusters that you can trace back to a high school locker room, then, then yeah, this, this all may change, but I, you know, I'm looking and saying so far, and this is part of the reason I'm more pessimistic about the other conferences actually canceling at the FBS level, because you've had, aside from that, that uh, cluster I mentioned at NC state, you've had a lot of sports being played this summer. Um, you know, we, t- we, we, we joked about the MLB all throughout, uh, but you know, the NBA has happened, the N- NHL's happened, um, you've had racing going on, you've had golf going on. There's been a lot of sports going on and, and there just haven't been, you know, boatloads. It hasn't been like universal at every time we fired back up sports. Uh, you've had, you've had youth sports going on all summer. As far as that goes, you know, there've been in a lot of places. Um, I've seen people playing little league ball and, and so on. So I'm not sure whether or not to think this will all come apart now as, you know, as we get back into, 
school and if more schools are in, you know, full session, maybe the numbers will will start to spike again and, and change all that. The thing I would say to the question, you know, as to why why we're why the governor's given the blessing to high school sports and yet we're not playing college football at Ohio State, you have to think about who's making these decisions and what what their particular incentives are. So if you're Mike DeWine, who ultimately are you accountable to? The voters, right? So right. there's a lot of political pressure on the governor to thread the needle between doing what's best for public health, but also not like completely alienating the entire electorate. And he's actually yeah. done, I think, a fairly good job of that and has had pretty high approval ratings throughout, you know, 70% plus um, throughout because he's threaded that needle of doing some very tough things and also not just completely saying, well, we're shutting down everything forever. Um, and that's a that's a tough needle to thread. You can quibble about individual aspects of it, but I give him credit for trying to, I think, relatively practically, pragmatically thread that needle. Now, on the Big Ten side of things, you know, who's Kevin Warren beholden to? The presidents and chancellors of the universities. Who are the presidents and chancellors beholden to? Ultimately, their respective boards of trustees. And you can decide for yourself whether or not you think, you know, the six, eight, ten, how many of our people are on a university board of trustees are going to be super incensed about playing football or not. Some of them, mm-hmm. maybe some of them, not so much, but their, their system of, of concerns and issues and incentives is very different from governor DeWine's, right. You know, very different decision-making schema. Yeah. They don't have to, they don't have like, they're not beholden to the same things that he is and, no. and versa. And, and as you said, a lot of it is related for DeWine, at least to his political standing and, and how to, as you, I think, really correctly said, threading that needle because it's that's your job as a politician is to do that, um, and it's not necessarily the same kind of standard that the you know universities and presidents and all of them have to really consider, which you could argue is a good thing. Like you don't necessarily want them being political or presidents. However, that's not going to stop people from politicizing whatever decision they make and saying, you know, this was done for political reasons. Uh, that's just, I think kind of how it goes with this type of stuff. Yep. Um, so this next question I really love. This is great. This is from Chalk. Uh, Chalk says this is his first question, but he's a longtime listener. And this actually relates to a question that we answered last week where we were talking about if you were constructing a team of all position players, you know, to play. Exa- in other words, you're going to try to construct a team, but you can only use one type of position players. And he says, if you're going to do that for an Ohio State football team, which position, which unit would you choose to populate the entire team? So in other words, would you rather have an entire team made up of offensive linemen, entire team made up of defensive backs, you know, they got to, and they got to play every position on the field, right? So who would you pick? And he also says, keep in mind, he says, for example, choosing wide receiver may have your top pure wideouts at their natural position, you know, Carter, Boston, et cetera. But also Chris Gamble at corner, right? You could play there. Mm-hmm. Braxton yep. Miller would count because he played wide receiver his final year at quarterback. So that would be nice, et cetera. Which, by the way, I think this is a pretty good uh, initial argument, at least, for wide receiver. And then you start thinking about the defensive and offensive lines. You're like, ah, eh, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> but it's an interesting question. I really like this. So what do you think? Which, which unit would you choose to populate your entire team? Yeah, I'm probably going with either – linebackers or or running backs and and here's why uh those are the two positions i think of that have the best blend of size and athleticism in general terms right so Mm -hmm. your your wide receivers you 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 made a great case for it and they're gonna die if they're (laughs) on the offensive line right and but but if you take you know, your average group of linebackers here, you, you've got guys who are closer to the mid 250s, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, than your linebackers who are closer to the, you know, high 190s or your wide receivers. I mean, that are high 190s, low two, low 200s. So or if you're David Boston, 230s. So. David Boston was a you know special <laughs> case, right? Like that dude was amazing. So right. so that that's immediately where my head went was that I need the, the guys on the field who are fast, athletic, but also strong and durable. So that, mm-hmm. that took me right to either linebackers or running backs. So I think you can, you can make the case that you could see Zeke Elliott as an example, knocking the Holy living Dickens out of a guy off the line 
um, but you know, also has the athletic skill necessary to go maybe go and and cover somebody. Would he be great at it every down? Eh, eh maybe not. Same same thing with your linebackers. Like I could picture, I could picture some of the backers that you've had at Ohio State over the years um, playing multiple positions. Would they do it well? I don't know. But those guys, in theory, have worked the jugs machine enough. Maybe they can go out and catch some balls. Um, you know, maybe maybe some of them played quarterback in high school. Who knows? I don't. You know, I, that that's immediately where my head went. So. How far a out left field wide am receivers, I? You know, you see a lot of Ohio State's wide receivers in history played quarterback at some point. That's true. And, true. you know, I think that element is is hard to overlook. However, I kind of agree with you. I would probably go with linebackers just in general because you, you can have a pretty diverse set of athletes to kind of play which is one of the great things about football, how how diverse you have to be in terms of, you know, size and skills and all these other things to really complete a team. I think either defensive backs or linebackers really, to me, would be the good choices for that. Um, defensive backs would be tricky because you really, I mean, you, you've got to avoid getting bum rushed on every single down uh, by the other units. Um, but, yeah, I would say probably linebackers. I think linebackers has to be my choice, especially if you think about some of the the Ohio State linebackers of the past and present. Guys like Ryan Shazier, right, is not the yes. same as a dude as like Anthony Schlegel was when he was, you know, at Ohio. Like these these are two different, very, very, very different players who can play all kinds of different things. Uh, I think that'd be really interesting. I, I That would be a cool maybe like charity thing to kind of half-ass a little bit. I don't want anybody getting hurt, obviously, but that would be a really <laughs> interesting kind of maybe seven V seven kind of thing to see how that plays. Offensive linemen are completely screwed. I know a lot of people go, Oh, defensive line. No, no, no. They're, they're way too slow. I'm sorry. They, (laughs) there, there are some linebackers who can run like a four, three, four, four. There ain't no offensive linemen (laughs) who are running that fast. You could throw a little bubble screen and like you're out running the entire team in in five seconds. There's, there's no doing that. So as much as I would love that, I would love to see a team made up entirely of like Orlando pace and, you know, like Billy Price and all them, that would be great. I would enjoy that quite a bit, but probably not super successful. Uh, Last one here. This is from Matt. And uh, Matt, just he's a frequenter of the college uh, football boards on Reddit, and he doesn't want us to hold that against him. I will not. And he has said that he started to notice recently the association of saying, oh, as in, oh, let me squeeze by you there. uh, And (laughs) reference the Midwesterners. Uh, I assume this is more of a Minnesota-Wisconsin thing, uh, don't you know? But I started to wonder and Googled Oak plus Ohio and started to realize it is a thing. Uh, and then he started noticing himself saying it and was shocked. Do you Ope? Do all Ohioans Ope? Uh, I, okay. So I'm going to say this. I think the Ope thing is a little overstated in terms of its use, specifically in Ohio. I think there's a lot of places where people, you know, are, are trying to say Ope. But it speaks to my opinion. It speaks to a larger cultural thing where you kind of have to apologize for getting in people's way. Like you really just, the thing about, I I read this once in a book and I I cannot remember which book it was, but, and it it clearly left an impression on me because I only remember this one thing from it, but it was a, it was a fictional narrative or something. And they got one of the main characters from Ohio. And he said, like, when you live in Ohio, you do this thing where like, you don't like anybody really, but you don't want anybody to know that. So essentially what you do is you kind of like have this begrudging, you know, kindness and niceties that you have, (laughs) like you don't like doing it and you kind of grumble about it, but you do it because that's the way like society can function. It's the only way society can function to, you know, avoid that simmering rage underneath the surface of all of us. And uh, I think Ope is part of that. I, I think you have to say that when in a normal situation in New York or Florida or something like that, and you're squeezing by somebody, you just say, excuse me. We say, Oh, it's like, Oh, I made a mistake. I screwed up. Sorry. Don't, don't punch me in the yep. face, please. I know you want to punch me in the face. I said, Oh, <laughs> I said it. So don't punch me in the face. And I think that's kind of part of it where it's this reflexive apology uh, to kind of avoid further social conflict. Um, and it's not unique to Ohio, but I do think it's a big part of how we live in the Midwest. And I say, Oh, all the freaking time. Uh, and it's also acknowledged that you made a mistake or you like screwed something up. You know what I mean? Like a preemptive, yes. like, no, I know, I know I screwed up. It's, oh, I said, Oh, okay. It's been said. So get out of my back. I totally, uh, totally do. Oh, although I don't necessarily, that's not necessarily, it wasn't until, and I agree with you that this thing's kind of over, over, overplayed. Uh, I don't think I actually said, Oh, but I, you know, would make some sort of, 
noise to acknowledge, you know, some, some mm-hmm. kind of like, Oh, excuse me. Or, or oops, or, you know, something to acknowledge exactly what you just said. And, and even while driving, like I, I find that <laughs> um, when I, you know, if I unintentionally cut someone off or, or I'm merging or, somebody lets me uh, go through a stop sign ahead of them or something, I always wave. And it's the same thing. Like right. I, I, it's an I acknowledgement the social contract. And, or, and or conversely, you, do you have done a kindness for me, right? Like yeah. that's the other thing. Like if I let somebody in, uh, in traffic, let's say, you know, you're, you're on the interstate and it's busy and somebody is trying to merge and you let them in. I don't mind doing that, but I want you to wave just to acknowledge yeah. that I have done you this kindness. I didn't that's have right. to. I didn't have to. But I did, and it drives me nuts when people don't wave. And I think it's the same thing. I think it comes back to exactly the same place that the ope comes from. Yeah, it's it's just this. It's like an acknowledgement of social norms, and either you're breaking them or someone else has broken them, and and you need to put that out there. That has to be said. You did not abide by the rules, and you screwed up. Mm-hmm. You have oped, and we will we will all say it in unison, like the knights who say knee or something. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I definitely say it. I will always say it. Another cultural thing. I think this one's actually real. And I might have mentioned on the dubcast before, but the process where people in Cincinnati area say please when they want you to repeat something. Um, have you gotten that, Andy? Have you ever, you ever experienced that? My parents both do it. Hmm. And so if you say something, they didn't hear you. They go, please. And that I didn't know why they did that. I, I don't do that. I think it's kind of odd. But apparently as some kind of German... Uh, connection because in oh. certain parts of Germany they say they do the same thing when you don't understand somebody they say bitte and I thought maybe that was just the internet BS in me but <laughs> but apparently uh, it's real because I asked a German exchange student if that's something that they do and he said yes that is that actually is something that they do in parts of Germany where they so say I wonder if that's just like shorthand for you know if it instead of saying the full thought could you repeat yourself please right. or oh I I you know I didn't hear you you know, could you repeat that, please? It's just short, you know, shorthand. Like, I wonder if that's where that started from. I, maybe that's hope too. Maybe it's like, I, I must opine upon your violation. <laughs> of that was the original phrase. And we just shortened it over the years to hope. Made it work. Yeah, and it worked. All right. So those are uh, the questions for Ask Us Anything. Great questions. Love those We've had some outstanding questions the last few weeks, and, and I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Dubcast listeners. Absolutely. They've been excellent. So keep sending those in. Uh, I love, and I, again, it doesn't have to be sports related. I love I love the existential and culturally uh, relevant questions that you all send in. So keep doing that. Keep listening. Uh, until next week, however, I am Johnny. I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.